Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Story Studio podcast. Um, What's up? What's up? And I'm just a little, I'm a little discombobulated because we're coming off of a, a break um, and we're at a weird time. So we, the company sort of took two weeks-ish, week and a half, two weeks, I guess it was two weeks at the end of the year off. And um, today we're recording on a Thursday instead of a Friday. So it's, it's very strange. I just got out of my little recording closet. I was recording the Fiction Formula audiobook. And um, that was frustrating, too, because every time somebody would finish mowing their lawn, somebody else would start. Oh, I hate that. It's like, I need oh, silence here. I'm recording an audiobook. Sound. I just, oh, I'm, yard work, it just bugs the crap out of me. Um, we officially have more live viewers now that it's just the studio listening to us. It's pretty kind of cool there. Um, all right, so. I'm like, almost what, 15% of our people are named Dan. <laughs> And if you just go with it, starting with D, with D, you can add some others. Um, but we're, today we're going to talk about binge culture for storytellers. Um, I feel like I want to toss that to Sean to explain what that means, since you're such a consumer. Um, well, I I want to say, Dave, correct me if I'm wrong here. Uh, I think it was, um, was it House of Cards that was the first time Netflix did that? I think it was. I think it was too, where like they had done the house of cards came out of nowhere. I was still living in, in Cincinnati at the time. And, uh, it, it's not just that Netflix was getting into entertainment, but they just kind of like dropped it. Like here it is, here's the entire season go binge. And it immediately impacted the culture. <laughs> it immediately impacted the way Dave and I were writing. Well, can, can I clarify something real quick right there? I actually don't know. So this is indeed a question. But before they start, because I assume when you say like binge with House of Cards and stuff, I'm assuming you're saying they produced the entire season and boom, the way that we just take for granted now. You're but I'm correct. Yeah. But right. I'm guessing that there were some before that that weren't recorded that way, but that were dropped. Is that sort of a an in-between worth mentioning at all? Like the fact that, you could have no, consumed House it. House of Cards was the first show on Netflix. Yeah, it was. It was the. It was the first. So, so the difference is where people may have consumed yeah. in a binge-like way before. There was no one supporting it that way. And I mean, there's. I don't know how much you want to go into the actual topic now versus just kind of introing it. But mm -hmm. I think that there were people who watched their shows that way. So for me, I'm actually probably a pretty good example here. I used to like binging shows. Like, oh, I'll find the show and I'll watch it all in, in, you know, in a run. So, for example, Veronica Mars, I didn't watch live. I found that on DVD and <clears throat> watched, you know, I think the first season I was like, oh, I got to immediately went and bought the next two seasons and then binge them on DVD. But I think that the difference on was VHS back in the day. <laughs> once Netflix was like dropping everything at once, like Orange is the New Black is, you know, um, was there, I think, second big show that, that came out. And like, I watched those all like over a two day period. And that was something where you could watch something where it was both new and you could just consume it all. So, um, I mean, anything more than that, I think actually gets into the topic itself. Yeah, that would be terrible. <laughs> it was only in 2013, so it hasn't even been that long. Yeah, it's right. Like it's been forever. Yeah, and do you remember, Dave? Do you remember having the actual conversation? Like, oh my God, people are used to binging how should we release yesterday's gone's next season and that yeah. was like immediate because it did change the behavior it changed my behavior like now 
I will, I will prefer most shows. I just prefer to wait until they're done if they're not released that way. Um, although like the Mandalorian, I watched semi live. Um, this is us. I still watch. Do you wait? Do you have to, does the show have to finish finish or will you, is it just by season? Oh, it's just by season. Like I wouldn't wait for, I actually knew the answer to that. So I don't know why I asked it, but you sort of made it sound like it was finished. So yeah, I know Mandalorian was, was, um, I think it's eight episodes. Um, and I started watching when they were maybe on episode five. Um, and I knew that cause that's one that we watch as a family. So all of our schedules have to align, um, and we'd have to not want to watch something else. And you know, it's a 45 minute block instead of two hours or 20 minutes or whatever. So I knew we would, you know, be at episode eight by the time it was done. And that was, it was perfect. We actually finished that the same day that we saw, um, rise of Skywalker. Rock on. How was that? I didn't see that kind of a beautiful mess like it, it just it is it's everything that's good and bad about jj abrams as a storyteller is very evident in this film um i do like him uh, i think there are some things missing but overall i also think it's really hard to wrap up you know the, the trilogy and i know they did some retconning with last jedi and it has its issues, but overall, I, I'm not one of those people who just, I find much more to like about Star Wars than not like. Um, and I really, I'm one of the people who really like Last Jedi. I know that a lot of people hate that movie. I think Last Jedi is great. Um, and there's a lot of things that I liked about Last Jedi that I thought uh, <clears throat> Skywalker. Did you like, like Princess Leia floating through space with no explanation as to why she just miraculously survived it with no big deal? I, I did not like that. <laughs> that was not one of my favorite. Oh, she's things using the force. No, it's just happening. It's all good. Yeah, no, that wasn't that wasn't one of my favorite parts of the movie. Um, but there were there were some things that I did really like, including the last shot. I really, really loved the last shot of that movie, and I felt like um, it, it got kind of undid <laughs> with the next movie. But whatever, I also understand. Like, there's it, Star Wars is an interesting thing because it's this bajillion dollar franchise. And, you know, I understand from the corporate storytelling angle that Disney kind of has to protect both the fandom and the, you know, coffers and the four and a half billion dollars they paid. And it's just kind of, it's, it's a big story. So I, I, I do have my issues, but I understand it. And bottom line, we saw it on, you know, Christmas Eve and, you know, enjoyed it as a family. And that's, you know, what I'll always remember. All right, who's got something cool? I actually kind of have two, so maybe you guys should go, and maybe you'll take one of mine. All right. Uh, Dave? Uh, I started watching, uh, well, and reading The Watchmen. I, I, oh. I never had actually read the comic. Did you, watch the wa- did you watch the comic first? I'm reading the comic, and I only saw like a half hour of the first episode. From what I understand, it's not an adaptation. It's more of like... It's a sequel. Yeah, an expansion, right. Yeah. Uh, And so far, fucking love the comic. Um, Saw the movie, but of course I forget the movie. Um, Love, absolutely love the comic. And the show, like the first opening half hour, I just know I'm going to love this show so much. So uh, that's my something cool. Maybe I'll binge it all before next week. Oh, you should. Um, it, it's it's high on my list. I, I really, I, I really, really want to watch it, that. It's it's a bold opening episode, and from what I understand, uh, like the way the show uh, unfolds, 
they they kind of uh they kind of troll the anti-social justice warriors to really bitch about it and then they like flip the script on them and so I, i'm waiting to see how it goes but i i think they really pushed some political buttons um and, and i'm curious to see how it all plays out and how it was received well bonnie says it just gets better and better as the season <clears throat> goes on and that it has an amazing ending too yeah so yeah, yeah. I'm forward. I, I, I that's really really high on my list it's it's pretty violent though right Oh yeah, uh, it, it opens with children in jeopardy. Yeah, I feel like that might be one oh, that great. I'll be watching on my own. But I just, I just finished. Like, here, here's my something cool. I just finished The Witcher, um, which I did watch that on my own. You know, they <laughs> haven't been promoting that at all. <laughs> are, are they? Are they? Are oh no, they, I'm being sarcastic. It's like so in my face every second. Yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't know, but, um, but I. It's odd because I liked it a lot more than I expected to. A lot more. Um, did you like Game of Thrones? I I do not like Game of Thrones as much as the world does. Okay. So, yeah. See, I'm asking that because I didn't care about Game of Thrones. Yeah, I'm not a huge fantasy guy. Actually. Neither am I. Um, but but I got a lot of ideas for things we could do in the Dream Engine world while watching this, um, and it kind of like lit my fire in a way that I didn't expect. And I like it. I, I'll say this: I think Game of Thrones is probably a better show. Than the witcher but i have a better time watching the witcher and i made it through three seasons of game of thrones and then i like stopped caring and uh the witcher i'm like ready for season two is like, it I've... unrelentingly bleak like game of thrones that's what stops me is i'm like oh my uh, soul's gonna be crushed yeah fuck that yes but in a fun way so like it what it feels like is like <laughs> oh that's so it's like being dave it's dis- it's well, destructive yeah, well, to your okay, soul, but it's less fun. Political machinations. Yes, yeah. Well, no, there's there's that, but it's always but not with nearly like, as much. I don't like. I don't mind political small. machinations. It's the mass slaughter and no hope sort of things. Oh, there's mass slaughter <laughs> for sure, but it's it's. I don't know. There's a sense of the the show is having a better time with itself. I guess. Uh, you know what I'm talking about, though, right? Like it's that real glib like you get used to a character and then they die and then somebody else dies tragically it's all tragedy it's not about the violence i don't mind violence um yeah no there's 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 tragedy and the whole world is a state but i mean the first episode is not very good and then the second episode is mildly better um the no the second episode is where it, it does get better for me because they explain magic in a way that's cool that i like um and they introduce uh this mage character named yennefer that is a big part of the story and she's interesting um and it's it's episode four that got me and i was like oh <laughs> this is what they're doing because there's three different timelines that that and i i can't even I, I guess as a storyteller i have a lot of respect for what they had to do because from what i understand they took a bunch of short stories novels and video games and they said, here's the story we want to tell with these elements. And they kind of had to set the stage in the first um, in, the, in the first season. And so it's got two things going for it, like in an X-Files kind of way. It's got the overall mythology that moves forward each episode. But then each one is also kind of like a monster of the week thing going on. And so they're self-contained. You can watch an episode and just get the story for that. But then there is the larger story. And one takes place over like 70 years. You know what, Johnny? It does something that we do in the beam, where the characters in the beam are like in their 80s, but they look 30s. So you can kind of fuck with, mm. you know, visually what it would look like. And because there are characters in the show who don't age like normal humans, they pull some of that same stuff. 
would they I have to watch it by origin, my... They did origin stories uh, before they drop you into the story proper. And then the story proper, really, uh, the, the timeline will be more linear in season two. Would yeah, I have to watch this on my own? Um, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, there is sex sure. and violence. I, yeah, it's there's just... a lot of... It makes Game of Thrones look kind of... Well, maybe not. I stopped watching Game of Thrones. Would I like it? I think so. I'm surprised to say, like, I, I, on the first few episodes, I would not have um, yeah. recommended it to you. But by the end, I'm like, yeah. And there's a lot of things that I, like, I want to go back and watch it because I can see how well placed some of the stuff was. So, yeah, fantasy for me suffers from the same thing as um, superheroes. Like when you just say it's like it's like what troubles you about billionaire romance. He's a billionaire. Why? He just is. Like that's that's what I don't like about superpowers or usually fantasy. They're just magical, so that's that's it, interesting to hear that you think I'd like it. Yeah, it, because it is it is they do explain magic like they explain you know um, how it works and they have like this uh, they're they're basically um, putting these there's like magic school. Yeah, I'll <laughs> check it to out. Learn it. I'll check it and out. And there's they're something mutating cool children to fight monsters. Oh well, that's yeah, good. Yeah. Dave, how 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 many episodes have you seen? And how much did how they many? pay you for your life story? <laughs> <laughs> I've only seen uh, the first episode so far, but I'm familiar with some of the stories and uh, very little of the video game. But I know all about it because, like, I followed it forever. So it's one of those things that I know about. Yeah, there's a premise for a fantasy story that I don't even know if Johnny will remember it, but I, I pitched him a few years ago. That's like, wouldn't this? It's a fantasy world that I I could see really working with Johnny's sensibilities. Um, and so, yeah, I, I would, I would love to see that. Um, Bonnie, if you're listening. Um, so, so Bonnie said that the show committed like a couple of uh, unforgivable. Oh, wait, here it is. The Witcher had three strikes in the first five minutes for me. And that's as far as I got, I would love to know what those strikes were. So, but not, not chat. on the chat, like do that some other time. No, right? I meant hit us in the chat. I'm, <laughs> I'm curious. Okay. All right. Well, since we're at, half hour and we're still actually we started late so it's not that bad um but do we do we want to move on or are we doing more more witcher uh i didn't no, know he wanted to like wait for bonnie's responses well no we can move on but i i think that like we're talking about binge watching i'm sure witcher will come up in another conversation so if it's there it's a good ingredient but yeah we can move on okay um um why are our something cools always something we watch though i've actually noticed that like it's seldom time to read. Yeah. I just, I, I mean, <laughs> I have the time, but I'm, it takes a long time because it's just, we're authors and it, I've noticed that. Like we always can, we always talk about things that we've watched, which I guess you, you can do it faster. Another something cool was, uh, you know, um, that we started a something cool channel in, in Slack. <laughs> and have you guys seen how lit up that is? Dave, you might actually like it. It's a place where you, you know, can I even rock. know if I'm invited to it. Well, you, you just have you just have <laughs> to find it. There's, out. there's no invite to it. It's just like you have to go get it on your own proactively. Yeah, um, but it's 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 worth it. Um like I've seen already like, oh I gotta add that to my list. I gotta add that to my list. Yeah, the my list is already so long, I don't know how I would I don't need more suggestions at this point, unfortunately. <coughs> um my something cool is is opposite end of the spectrum. It's um uh it's comedy. Um, have you guys heard of Letter Kenny? Uh -uh. No, I hadn't heard of it either. But there's like six seasons. It's a Canadian show, and it's what's it called? It's called Letter Kenny. Letter like Kenny. Letter and Kenny, but shoved together. And it's the name of a town. It's a small town. Um, Neve just 
popped it in, so maybe okay, she's apparently seen it. Neve knows this show. It's the way she it's, was so fast. It's, it's really fucking funny. Like I just it's funny. It caught me by surprise in the way that I'm sorry did, in that you know how I said I really like I'm sorry because there's no they're not trying for any serious messages at all. Like it's just it's a pure escape. Like it's just them being stupid. Well, this is the same thing, and it's it's it takes place in this really small town in Canada, and there are three groups. So there's the Hicks the skids, which are basically like goths or like mods or something. And then there's the hockey players. And it's just about the stupidest shit that they get into. And it's, I, I mean, I, I just, we're like three seasons in already and we just started it over the break and they're just half hour shows. And the character work is just wonderful. I mean, it's not deep or amazing because it's a comedy. How many episodes? It's, I think it's six seasons. I don't know how many seasons in an episode, but I'm going to guess a normal like 12, 13, something like that. Oh, so not like it's not network where there's like twenty four. Uh, I don't think so. I don't think so. I think it's I think it's twelve or thirteen, but I don't know because we've just been kind of burning through them, and it's just totally light and fun, and so we've been digging the hell out of that. Um, did, did you say you have two? No, I'll save no, the other one because I so many times I come up empty, so I made a note and I'll <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll give it next week. Yeah, I've got a I've got a bunch too. <laughs> Maria, I actually haven't been binging them. I've just been watching a couple a night, which I guess is binging. I guess we just stick on one episode. And two, but yeah, it's not but like, it's been three weeks or something with a lot less work. There's just more time to consume. Yeah, but it's we don't watch them during the day or anything. Like it's it's pure nighttime, um, whatever. But anyway, well, okay. So so we did spend a lot of time over the break binging. I mean, that's great to just roll into the topic. Why is it that people love to binge? I mean, that wasn't not possible for us growing up. We didn't get to watch TV like that. There was no pausing live TV or DVR or well, seasons you, you of shit. You got to videotape an entire season of X-Files and watch it all in a weekend. I've done that. <laughs> you could, but binging was not a culture thing, right? Yeah. You know what so, was the biggest ball buster with binging was back when Netflix did DVDs and not streaming? And so you'd binge, and then you get to the end of a disc. Yeah. You'd be like, motherfucker, right. now I have to send it back in. Right. I mean, that is seriously, I mean, I used Veronica Mars as an example, because that was a time when like, uh, you know, Ethan and Haley are both really little. And um, that was how I could binge, you know, Netflix didn't have their streaming thing. And, you know, I, I did, I bought all three of those seasons. So we could just binge them. I bought when Cindy was pregnant, I bought her all six seasons of uh, Sex in the City on DVD. So she could binge we those, binged on, those DVD. on DVD. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we had all 10 seasons of Friends on DVD. We binged those nightly. <laughs> so, like, it's, it. you know, we, we yes, you could binge, but streaming just made it easy. Stream, binging made it, like, not just for the fringe people, but, like, everybody. I, I think it's hilarious because uh, recently Friends left Netflix because, you know. Yeah, that pissed me off. <laughs> yeah, okay. You're what it amuses me. <laughs> like all these people are complaining on Twitter, like you took friends away. I'm like, no, they didn't. They just didn't want to pay for it again. Fuck off. It's yeah, it's been gone I, forever. but they, but they, <laughs> whatever the reason is, they did take it away. And whether I understand so? the reason or not, I'm allowed to not yeah. like that they did it. You don't need to watch it again. You've seen it. I'm totally with you on this, Dave. I, I like it. I, Johnny's, response, buy it. <laughs> Johnny's response to the streaming wars, I find amusing because. I think like it's so much better than what we ever had. I hate the streaming wars. And it's so cheap. Like we've never had more content for less money. And the fact that people are like bitching about it, it's just like, wow, our world is just super entitled. 
especially as content creators, like we should be excited by the streaming wars. We should be energized by the streaming wars because like there's never, it, it's amazing how many tiny little shows there are that just are so niche and they never would have had an audience. So have you watched Easy, either of you? So uh, don't know. <laughs> it's a Netflix show, they're, they're 30 minutes. They're not quite comedy, they're not quite drama. Um, it's been on my, uh, on my, uh, you know, my list ever since there was just one season out and now there's three <laughs> I never watched it. And I even watched the trailer a couple of times, but it's this real disconnected trailer that I didn't realize what it was. And then we watched it and they're just, they're, they're 30 minute snapshots of like people in conflict in a relationship. And they're usually- No, I don't want to watch it. <laughs> no, it's great. And the conflict is usually around something sex-based. So like a couple, like they're falling out of love with each other or like one is cheating on the other or, or something. But, and, and the, it's basically four seasons, dude. So there's all these, these, like it's a larger world that they all share and inhabit. Yeah, that's why I don't hang out with people. I really don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Very the normal. idea that there's like all these, um, you, you know, all these very individual kinds of stories being told that couldn't have been told without the streaming wars. And, you know, the most you're going to pay is like 10 or so bucks a month for that. And Each. all the stories are going to produce. It's amazing. Each. It's not 10 bucks a month. It's 10 bucks a month each. It's something else to subscribe to and something else to subscribe to. And right back at basic cable. Yes, but, but so different. And, you know, like the, the thing that amuses me a, a lot is that like, if you get all the major ones, um, uh, the amount that they said is it's less than Indiana Jones and Raiders of the Lost Ark cost on VHS when it came out, <laughs> right? <laughs> per month, you can get Hulu, HBO Max, Disney Plus, um, what oh, Netflix cable got so damn expensive. I mean, right. Like but for under a hundred dollars, you're getting all this on-demand streaming shit. Like th the value there is amazing. I, I'm curious. Like so I, I don't subscribe to everything that I want because I don't have time to watch it all. So it's a waste of money. And then every month I see a chart, I'm like, well, fuck, I didn't watch anything. So I wonder how many people will just subscribe to two, one or two, and like they'll switch when the new show comes on that they want to just catch well, it. Well, probably a lot of people. There was a, um, I, I mean, I've been, if there's an article about streaming, like I'll click on it. Like I'm very curious about the wars. <laughs> I'm very clear, curious about the economics behind it, the future casting, all of that. And uh, they found so, so in the first month that uh, Disney Plus came out, Netflix lost a million subscribers, which is really nothing. It, no, yeah. it is something that's substantial because that's, that's over a hundred million dollars a year, right? Like and they're operating the at like how many billion dollar debt? <laughs> um, uh, right. Like if that's if it's another million next month, like they're gonna have a problem, right? Because they're overspending on content. So that's an interesting discussion, anyway. But if you got like like where where does it slow down? So with with they already lost the million there, but then now Disney Plus, The Mandalorian ended. And people are pulling out of Disney Plus and waiting for new shows to come in. So it doesn't matter that Disney Plus has 30 years of The Simpsons and like every movie you know they ever did. There are still some people who are um, not. I don't think these are people with families necessarily because if you've got a family, fuck seven dollars a month and like all the Disney shit is there. That's that's great yeah. value. But for like you know people who are just buying it for Star Wars, for example, 
they are canceling or star wars and marvel they're canceling and waiting for you anybody buying it from marvel though they've probably if they're marvel fans they've already seen all the movies so they don't need to watch it again so when they start rolling out some marvel shows and i think they're going to uh do something with the ones that were canceled on netflix um when they start doing that then you'll probably have more marvel fans joining and staying on yeah, I I, uh, I just think of it as uh, as a business creativity expense. Like I want to watch something when I watch something, and so all the major streaming things, I'm going to subscribe to those. We're going to watch stuff as a family. We're going to talk about it. I'm going to talk about it with, and and also any storyteller I'm working with, if they're saying I watch this show, it's important to me to this tone. I want to be able to watch that show and have the same vocabulary with them. So, like all the streaming stuff. For me as a storyteller a hundred bucks a month and i can watch all the stories i want so I you have like, every streaming service i have every streaming service yeah um, you, you have stars you have no Cinex. no 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 i mean the major ones so i've got hbo showtime um hulu netflix and disney plus and i just picked up apple tv because um i i actually that's the interface i have apple tv and they said oh you have a free year and I was yeah, like, oh, fuck okay. you. I, I had seven fucking days. Yeah, no, I don't so understand I that. that. Sean's Apple TV isn't new. And Dave, I thought you said that you had to have a new device. It, 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 for somebody that has a new device, I don't know how he got a year. Yeah, I don't either because maybe, I haven't bought Maybe you buy so many Because I haven't gotten Apple this. Products. I haven't gotten that notice either. Did you get something in the mail? or Because I have an Apple TV. No, um, I just turned on Apple TV and it said your um, your phone is, uh, you have a credit for one year, which is crazy because I haven't bought a new phone in. Oh, Ethan replaced his phone. There you like, go. <laughs> but he got like that's funny because he got a refurb and they're still counting it. So whatever. Uh, yeah, we we started watching the morning show on that. We're four episodes in. Well, so what about binging though? So what about what about the behavior of like what does this mean for us as storytellers? I mean, just. Uh, I mean, I, I binge everything, right? I mean, I guess, depending on how you... I, I know I pushed back, but yes, I'm binging. Um, but that said, there was a certain... Something that's never going to come back with that episodic, like, make you wait sort of the a thing. The water cooler talk? Yeah, I mean, I mean, and, and just... There's a, there's, it is a little unsatisfying, I guess, a little to think that, like, you know, they spent a lot of time and effort on this, and that's something that would have been a year's worth of content. And it's just, I can just imagine the creators being like, well, fuck, that's gone. Now we got to do it again. Maybe they aren't thinking that at all. And they probably aren't. But that idea of like, let's all wait, let's watch on the same, same time schedule. Let's like, that's, that's gone. And the question is, does it, does it matter? Yeah. And I wonder how much, um, cause when you had, when you had a season of something, then you had, uh, you know, those four or five months before the new season rolled right. out, they, network television they have more episodes they spaced it and you didn't have to wait as long for the next season now they don't know if the show's going to do well you might have to wait a year depending on the the streaming service and something else i've noticed at least on netflix um they they seem to cancel stuff after three four seasons yeah three um, seasons seems to be there wh- whether you know whether it's doing you know decent or not it's it's I, I wonder if it's because they can't maintain interest because I think that was the, the problem with some of the Marvel shows, uh, regardless of the quality of them. And I, I think some of them, you know, got better as they went on the, the, the interest waned because people had to wait forever and nobody was talking about it anymore. So, you know, well, you have- that's, 
this, that that's a really good point. So in the binge culture, one thing that has absolutely happened is that there's a really brief half-life now for the interest. Right. It's like KDP select. It's the same lament. It's like, I wonder if entertainment just becomes really commoditized simply because you're done with it in a few weeks. Well, there, there is a lot of that. And so, um, Disney plus very specifically is like, yeah, we're not playing that game. The Mandalorian was, you waited the week. And there is something really old fashioned about that. You've got that water cooler conversation back in that way. Um, yeah, I, I really think, like that. Yeah, I, I do too. I think as storytellers, you kind of have to think like, what is the best? That, well, there's a few questions. There's what is the best for this particular story that we're trying to tell? And what is the relationship I want our audience to have with this story? So like going back to season, whatever it was uh, with Dave and I, when we were, um, we were following up Yesterday's Gone, and that was our question because the binge culture was already there and we found like, okay, what do we do? Because if we release these, um, you know, uh, we basically wanted to give people the choice. And what we found is uh, they could um, buy it week to week to week or they could just wait until it was all done and buy it at once. And there was like no contest. People just bought it when it was done and we actually lost money by the week to week to week strategy. Do you remember that, Johnny? We were already all- No, I uh, you, no, I do remember. That's actually around the time that I that I came on board. And it does, you know, it's a little like, um, you know, every once in a while somebody will tell an, an, an old person sort of story, like one of those back in my day where it was like, you know, I. I really wanted a bike and my dad wouldn't give me a bike. So I had to wait and mow lawns and you know that you had to wait so long and then it was, it was better because you had to wait. And I think that there's something that comes with, you know, we used to have to wait week to week to see, Oh my God, something amazing just happened. And I think that viewers tended to appreciate it more. And I think that as a creator, one of the things that I am just a little, concerned. Oh, just, that's good. I turned on my music. One of the things that I'm just a little bit concerned about is, um, you know, we, we, we're trying not to play the select game, the KDP select game. And of course we are some, and, but I still hate it. Like, I wish it wasn't a thing. It pisses me off. But um, the reason is because the relationship to the books is just different. Like when you're, when you're churning through books that fast, if, you, if you're kind of a, you know, a churn and burn sort of reader, I don't know that anybody, that any one thing stands out. And so that was at least the thinking was, if we try to play a longer term value game and try not to be as cons like disposable that it that's the game we're trying to play and and with streaming i think it's some of the same things are in play is i think that you're getting a lot of that i've subscribed i'm paying this much per month i'm going to watch as much as i humanly can and then well there was this great show that i watched but i have no idea what it is because it's been buried under 10 others yeah i use it as discovery because i i know that there's this this big giant treasure chest and it's really easy to get buried and so um most of everything i watch comes from a personal recommendation and i mean we've got a, a studio full of storytellers we're all watching shit and we're all we all have very high standards and high criteria by the way um, bonnie gave her reasons for the witcher and you're you're a thousand percent right about everything you said basically it was a, a very cliche opening um uh, and no, Bonnie, I don't think it's good enough for you to make time to watch it. There's so many better shows than The Witcher. The Witcher for me was just better than I expected. And that's a fun thing too. Like in the binge culture, what do you do to get somebody to watch? Not just because it's the next thing in line, but because it's, it's actually commanding your attention. 
And that's something that, you know, as storytellers internally, we put a lot of attention into that. You know, our cliffhangers, we, we craft them with care. We really want people to, to, you know, come into the journey that we're inviting them on. And I think that we have three different ways of serializing and we're experimenting with all of them this year and next year. Um, one is just the, uh, the thing that I think Dave and I got really good at um, and we transported over to, you know, when Johnny and I started working together and that was writing something as a serial, but not releasing it that way <laughs> because, well, there's a few reasons, you know, it's, it's readers keeping track of, uh, you know, the story book to book to book. But it's also the whole thing with the model being broken on on Amazon, where it's 99 cents isn't a good price for any of us, but right. 2.99 doesn't really work out for the reader. So th that is always something to you know figure out. Um, but the the other one, which is you know releasing them, but writing something and then releasing it week to week to week, and then writing something and releasing them month apart. So those are all very different. Um, modes of, of writing and releasing, but I think they're all worthy of exploration. And it kind of depends on your story, on the relationship you have with your audience, and what your actual game is. So if you look at the way Netflix puts their shows out versus the way Disney Plus puts their shows out, or actually Apple TV is a, a, another example. They've not done the binge thing either. They're, and in fact, they're the opposite of Netflix in pretty much every way, because they're also not like, we will drown you in content. <laughs> they're like, you know, we've got three or four shows and they're really good. I mean, whether they are really good or not, like that's a different conversation because I haven't seen them. See, is kind of shitty, <laughs> but it's one of those that like, uh, actually a lot like The Witcher where critics don't like it, but audiences do. But Jason Momoa is like probably the reason a lot of people Does like that Does he have show. his shirt off? I'm there. I, I think so. <laughs> no, I'm not really sure. Um, but I think that that like Apple TV and Disney Plus have a very different um, game plan than what, uh, what what Netflix does or what Hulu does. So I think you have to look at, if you're looking at what can I get well, from Well, Hulu did some shows uh, weekly. Right, I mean, but don't you think that they're kind of experimenting to see what works? Yeah, but I mean, they've done it with some of their, they, they did Handmaid's Tale. Uh, yeah, Handmaid's the, Tale. The Act. Well, Handmaid's um, Tale had, I think Handmaid's Tale was like a hybrid. It launched with the first three episodes and then went to weekly, which I think is smart because yeah, they, and, they got those people who want to binge. And I thought I thought there was talk that Netflix was going to do that with a few shows and experiment with it. So I heard I, that I also. Think, I think they have, they, they have to do it with some of the shows. Um, because, I think it makes something bigger. It makes it more important. If it's it, more value. Yeah. It'll be interesting, um, you know, HBO Max is the next one coming out next year. Um, They're not so, going to release their shit in one giant no way, No way. <laughs> no, I think, I think Netflix might be the outlier here because I think that we're seeing that. Well, it reminds me of that. Do you remember, do you remember um, the membership site? I think it was called Digital Access Pass or something. It was, this is a little nerdy. But it was, or because it dripped content, whatever it is that I'm thinking, and th that was the whole thinking. Like if you had a membership site with a ton of content, and somebody could join, consume it all, and then leave next month, and you wanted a continuity, 
That was right. exactly the same problem that it seems like. Now, obviously, the volume is shit on, like, Netflix. I've watched all Netflix has. Now I'm quitting. Like, that's not really a thing. <laughs> but to Dave's point about, like, dumping everything, that could be a concern. Well, it's like, I, I mean, all of us came up in the blogging days, right? And you you could work really, really, really hard on a blog post. It could be the best thing you've ever written. But then it, it gets published, and a week later, no one gives a shit, and it's buried, and no one, you'll never see that post again. And there's a little bit of that with Netflix. You see like some really good shows that came out a few years ago right. and they're just, they're in the dustbin of history. And so I, I do think that there's value in, it's not that you want to copy that model and say, oh, because Netflix has this binging model and people love that binging model, I'm going to copy that. It's figuring out what people love about that binging model and trying to build it into the stories that you tell. I have the answer for you. All right. I would like to subscribe to your newsletter. Let's hear the answer. It's called, yes, the answer, Dave's answer. If I was Netflix, I would go to where people are already talking about TV shows, and that is YouTube. There's a ton of channels devoted to any any show you like. There's people talking about it on YouTube. Netflix should do kind of like what The Walking Dead does with their thing. They have the, the, the Talking Dead after it. The shows they want to to generate buzz around they ought to have a, an after show that I yeah, that's a great episode. idea Dave. And, and, and do on a weekly thing you'll get people talking about it. you get people where they're actually watching online because netflix is competing with youtube netflix is competing with the internet in general and games and all that shit it's not just tv shows competing with tv no i i think that's i think that's great dave well i think one of our our biggest things that we've talked about a lot is for my check now <laughs> is that we want we want stories that endure like we want legacy like these are these are the things that we talk about we're long term not short term so i mean we're talking about visual entertainment here we're talking about things that you the tv shows that you watch but entertainment's entertainment and there's going to be some overlap in behaviors and what people expect and we are really increasingly in an on demand i want it right now and if it takes 2 seconds long, too long to load i'm pissed off and if I have to wait a week, then I'm pissed off sort of culture. So what does that mean for us as creators if we want to, I mean, I don't want to dumb anything down and like, okay, well, I'll make my stories really short and super hooky so that people will will want to consume them or something. But I think like, what is the what is the task of somebody who wants to create legacy material that doesn't get relegated to the dustbin of history in this modern culture? Okay, so you're asking, um, it, it, so it's how do you create legacy in a cult, in a in a more 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 faster faster sort of world where things so just it's get the same question vanished? that we wrestle with all the time? How do we fight KDP Select? True, right? but it's increasingly the fact that it's happening in our because I mean books are less mainstream than visual today. Like that's just the truth. People read less than they watch. So the fact that it happens in our main entertainment, our main TV, our main movies, I would say is actually if that's a problem, then it makes it a bigger problem. It's a symptom of a larger problem. Yeah, Maybe. well, if yeah, go ahead, Dave. Um, I just say you got to break break out and be bigger than the rest. I mean, that is how TV shows achieve their cult status. Uh, nobody gave a shit about Firefly when it was on TV. It was canceled because nobody was fucking watching it. And now people are jizzing in their pants over how great it was the next thing to God. So it it depends on it becoming bigger than other shows. It's also a little bit like um, the whole one for us, one for them thing. I mean, Netflix is definitely doing that. They have their, they have their garbage shows. <laughs> you know, they're just like, 
all right, let's just put this out. But they've also, they have given money to auteurs. You know, they, they had, last year they had Roma. Um, this year they had uh, Irishman and uh, Marriage Story. And, you know, they are trying to put out some prestige stuff as well as, you know, their, their bingey stuff. And so I think that they're, Netflix is trying to prove like, look, we can, we can do it all, um, including Michael Bay, <laughs> apparently. Have you seen any of that, that Six Underground? Well, no, Michael Bay I'm isn't quick churn much. entertainment or anything. He's definitely built to last. <laughs> well, it's, it's, I think that what they're trying to say is there is no longer any, anything you can get at the theater that we're not going to be able to provide some kind of, they're, they're trying to close that gap. The Irishman. <laughs> yeah, the Irishman. I mean, that's, Scorsese literally could not get the money to make his movie anywhere else. Netflix stepped up, gave him $100 million, and he made The Irishman. So that's pretty impressive that, you know, they had $100 million. I'm waiting for them to give Quentin Tarantino a, a, a money to make like a 15-hour movie. They better do it soon. He's only got one left. I could, oh, he'll come back. I could see him moving into TV for sure. I could totally see him moving. Yeah, he said he's done with movies. He'll do a 15-hour movie as a TV show. I, I could totally, totally see that. Okay, man, I, this is a movie in 15 acts. <laughs> I could absolutely see it. There's apparently a um, a four-hour cut of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, uh, which will likely make it to Netflix in the same way Hateful Eight was, just divided into four episodes. Oh, good. More Quentin. <laughs> Dude, fuck you. Have you seen it? It's really good. No, I haven't. I, I, good movies do not last long at the theater where I am. Okay. Here's <laughs> it's got to be do. trash popcorn that the yokels will enjoy. I bet you Otherwise... they love the fountain there. <laughs> that lasted a day. It wouldn't even last a whole week. It was All right. Here's, here's your solution. It's 2020. Move to Austin, and then you and me and Johnny will have movie day, like once a month. We'll I would to... love that. All right. So let's, let's make that happen. Uh, <laughs> Angry Birds with a one-minute peeing scene. <laughs> that last, that was it. My theater for a year and a half. <laughs> <laughs> it's still playing. It's a marquee title. Yeah. So Joel says, "I love long movies and long books and long-form podcasts. I need to feel like I'm making space and time to consume." Yeah, I, 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 I agree. I think that that having like shows that really breathe or like being able to consume a whole story. So one thing that, that binge watching does is allows you to see these huge, huge stories. So um, I just finished Mad Men for the third time through because I watched it with Haley and we were able to watch all seven seasons. And I want to say like a three or four month period, maybe, uh, maybe a little longer than that. Um, but that's like, like watching it that way. Mad Men is like this epic American novel. It does have a, that feel and, you know, if you had to watch that over a seven-year period, it's just different than watching it over a seven-month period. Well, maybe this will serve as a good sort of final wrap-up on this, and that's how do we, I mean, we already, we touched on this a little bit, but maybe sort of a final word, like how do we, how, how do we stand out? So like Joel's sentiment on longer books and longer, like I, I don't think that's mainstream. Like I think that Joel is more of the type of reader that I would like. But I think that there's probably a lot more that are more popcorn and more like I need it now and that sort of thing. So how do we make the stories that we want to make and have them be successful in an increasingly on-demand bingey sort of world? 
I think that Dave hit it where he's like, you just have to be better than the rest. And it's not a sexy answer. Well, let me, sorry, let me push back on that a little bit because we all know that there's lots of really great stuff that goes fucking nowhere because people yes, suck or it doesn't get, you have to get attention. So, so the, the way is, yes, you have to get attention, but also I think you have to be intentional about the way you get attention. So if you look at, um, uh, we each individually, uh, me and Johnny and me and Dave, have uh, bingey type things that we're building for either very late this year or next year. And they are things that we would hope that will be on streaming sometime um, in the future. And the way we're constructing those is definitely the way we want to do it, the stories that we want to tell. And so we've kind of earned the ability to do that by the other stories that we're telling that are a little more popular, you know? So, I think that you, you can't expect to do it overnight. I don't think you can follow the Tarantino model where he basically just was able to do the kind of thing he wanted to do from the beginning. And it, it was big. He was also I, in a different world though. That's the thing, right? Like, I, I don't you feel like we're almost past the age of the blockbuster? Not totally, but fewer, right? Like you, you've made the point about how there aren't big rock bands really anymore. Same, yeah, same concept. Right, right. The day of the rock star is over. That's very true. And for, for movies, I think that we're not seeing... So, so uh, here's a genre that's dead, pretty much, is the, the comedy. The, the, like, the Will Ferrell... Right. <laughs> um, the, the, basically, the, the date night comedy, right? Where you go and you would see something like um, um, Will Ferrell or, um, I don't know, Melissa McCarthy or... You know, just like the big budget. Daddy's Home Five. Yeah, you, you, like like a comedy that has big names in it that are like they cost thirty million dollars. Medea takes make. a shit. But all of a sudden, that's the kind of film that you know Netflix can do. Like they can do that. Do you know what the number one downloaded or watched movie on Netflix was last year? Adam Sandler's movies. Was it? Um, the one with Adam Sandler and Jennifer Aniston. Oh my God! I oh I that. I don't remember what it's called, but I I, I know I've seen it. I get through like 10 minutes of it. I watched 10 minutes of it too, and I could not watch it. Murder mystery. Thanks, Neve. Yeah. I wanted I watched, to murder myself. I'm like, I'm out. This is really, really bad. And I didn't even call out. I didn't tap out on that one. Cindy did. And she's way more patient with that shit than I am. So we were just like, this is not good. And I it. would rather, rather than watch that movie, I would rather put my dick in a car door and just slam it like five times. Wow. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I didn't think it was that bad, but it, it was that bad. It was bad. We're going to call him on one of these statements at some point. <laughs> All right, Dave, we got a car. You got your dick. <laughs> that's the oh, number one thing home. that was downloaded. Like that's crazy, but it also tells you a lot about, you know, the, the, the consumer. So if you don't want to make an app, because Dave doesn't ever, they could back a dump truck to Dave's house he would not have the desire, nor would he be capable of writing Adam Sandler drivel. He just wouldn't be able to do it. Oh, I could. I would just go. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, like you don't want to make that, but I think that if there's. Oh, I want to have a whole show that's just Dave doing Adam Sandler. Yeah, I'm not a big Adam Sandler fan either. <laughs> Yeah, me neither. I, although I do want to see the Jewel Heist movie he's in right now. I think that looks 
good. Yeah, I, um, I like when he does serious stuff. I, I hate the the because it, it's just so lowbrow, stupid, not even trying. Yeah, him. he's fantastic in Punch Drunk Love. He's really good in Spanglish. Like, he's capable. It's just you never see it. But, yeah, Punch Drunk Love is amazing. Um, so, anyway, <laughs> like Joel Zabadidu. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I think that you have to know what you want and then know how to get there. And so you know, both me and, and Dave and me and Johnny have written, you know, popcorn stuff, but we've also written stuff that's really important to us. And we got, I think, really focused last year on how to differentiate that stuff and how to build the right bridges. Um, you know, oh, that's what I was saying. Tarantino, I, I read a, a, a book about Tarantino over the break. And one of the things, like, he acknowledges, like, I was just really lucky. I would have been, I would have been hired I would have been the guy hired to make like remakes of Mannix or whatever. And, and I would have been happy with that. I would have been thrilled to be a director who was just able to work in the business, but Reservoir Dogs clicked and then Pulp Fiction clicked and then he just got to do whatever he wanted. And I don't, I don't think that it, the, the, the studio system or the book industry is designed that way. But I think that it is designed in a way where if you prove yourself, you always get another chance. And so whether you're telling stories through a visual medium or just with words, um, I think if you connect with your readers and you include them on the journey and you take them you know, where you want to take them and you understand what it is that people love about great stories and binging, then you can really evolve yourself that way. Oh, I forgot the something cool that I wanted because we were off for a couple of weeks. Mr. Robot finally ended and it ended so fucking perfectly. Perfect ending for an almost perfect show uh well worth your binge whenever you know it's available Haley and i just started that over break we're on episode five of season one okay oh oh wait till you get to episode eight <laughs> yeah no i've seen seasons one and two before okay. but i promised you that i would watch it all now and so i invited Haley on the journey and she was like hell yeah so and she figured out the twist without spoiling it for our own audience no i don't think so cool. she would have she would have piped up if she hasn't Awesome. We're going to find out Dave has some sort of Mr. Robot sponsorship. <laughs> I believe that. I think that, that Sam Asmel sponsored. is behind him. Like, Dave, don't forget to mention it. I, I would forgot. watch anything Sam made. Uh, he, he He's proven himself. Uh, fucking amazing. Psst, Dave, more superlatives. Besides, more superlatives, uh, Dave. That's Sam behind you. Bad Robot and um, or, <laughs> Bad Robot. Bad Mr. Robot. <laughs> Mr. Robot um, and Homecoming. Oh, that's all I know of, and that's all he needed to do. I mean, he could have oh. just done Mr. Robot. Uh, he, he he proved himself very capable, and, um, like, the, 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 the stuff is, like, it's seeded from the beginning. I, I don't think he made shit up as he went along at all. Or he's doing the shit that we sometimes do where it looks like it was seated from the beginning, yeah, but really I'm you're with, just finding something. I'm with Johnny on this. I no. think he had some. I think no. he had <laughs> When you get to the end, the way it fucking clicked, there's no way. Everything is so perfectly done. Uh, I can't think of a single mistake or something that feels like it was shoehorned in. Wow. No. All right. Well, I'm, I'm there. I'm, I'd need to I'm, see that to watch it, but I've had that experience too, where it's like, oh man, it's all coming together as if I planned it. Right. There, see, but, but, but Johnny, Dave doesn't get that because he doesn't write that way. Like he doesn't, but, but seriously, dude, like, like there have been times when it seems like we had to. Have do you remember it. when the defining thing at the end of Unicorn Western 
nine was just a random thing in three. Yes, of course. Uh, that, yes, because that is, I mean, that is how we. And, and, and Mr. Robot is almost as good as Unicorn <laughs> Western. <laughs> almost. I got past the wedding scene on Mr. Robot. What would uh, Dave think? Dave, what would you think if Sam Esmell decided to take on Unicorn Western? I would watch it. <laughs> okay. Oh, he, he what about Redacted? Uh, yeah, whatever he did, man. Um, <laughs> and there, there are red herrings in the show. There, there are some storylines that, um, you know, they, they, it, you're not sure if they were meant to, uh, kind of fizzle out that way, or it was just the nature of the beast of the show. So it, it might not be perfect in that way, but the, the, the important things were all there. And they all click, and they all make sense. It's sense in such a beautiful way that I I can't think of a show I like the ending of better at the moment. Anyway, not even The Sopranos. No, not even <laughs> The Sopranos. Well, yeah, I'll definitely I'll be caught up soon. Dave will. I mean, I I can't totally binge it because I can only watch it with Haley. But um, but we'll be caught up soon. I I'm I'm excited to talk to you about it. All right, I so I remember it by then. <laughs> right, you won't that remember. That is a danger. Um, so a couple of concluding, a couple of announcements to um, conclude us out here in case we didn't spell this out at the beginning, but um, you may have figured it out from context. Um, we aren't going to be doing live shows anymore um, for the wider world just because nobody came. Like it was, it wasn't worth the restriction of the schedule for, I mean, we love you three or four people who came every time, but we're not going to plan our whole That's schedule like my wedding night around you right so um so we're we are we're broadcasting we're broadcasting internally so when you hear us referring to people and stuff it's because our people the sterling and stone people are are getting it live so just sorry if that's disappointing it just it didn't end up making sense the cost benefit um and then the other thing is that next week will be a really good show so be sure to check it out we're going to have john O'Matt on and uh he is the writer of the savannah bananas tv show we had jesse cole on a little while ago to talk about it was his story and oh, he's gonna be so excited to meet dave yeah and he's so excited and he, everybody's gonna love jono like he's just he's just so lovable he's just so wonderful Does he know about me oh yes. yeah yes. Yes. he'll probably Everybody do we ever meet knows about you dave he'll oh, probably God. do something perfect to ingratiate himself to dave like you never see it coming but then he'll do this one little thing you're like oh I wish I was that thoughtful. You're much nicer than I am. He'll have a kidnapped child behind him. <laughs> right, he really will. It'll be something like that. I thought it would... Never mind. <laughs> no, there, there was that joke that almost almost was going to happen. I don't even want to know. I, I... Yeah, no, I'm pulling back. I'm pulling out of that one. All right, Sean. with Sean pulling out, we'll just go ahead and finish. When you, when you pull oh, wow. out, it's, it's over. All right, like so... <laughs> So that's uh, thanks for listening to this story. Do you remember when we used to have a point and we had to watch things we said? Now it doesn't fucking matter anymore. Oh, like we got some stuff you can buy, way. but it, it's small and who cares? So we're just gonna do what we want to do. Um, all right. So thanks you guys for listening to Story Studio Podcast. We will uh, see you next time. With thanks to our live audience. Thanks to our live audience. They were really lively today, and we'll see you next time with uh, Jono. Bye everybody. Peace out. <laughs>